Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. It's been a long time coming, but I assure you it's been well worth the wait. Our guest on this episode is one of the people that we put on our original bucket list when we started Bootleg three years ago. We sat down and we said, if we could get anybody in all of NFL media, who would we get? This guy was on our list, and today is the day we get to obsess about the NFL draft with one of our favorite people, ESPN NFL draft analyst, Jordan Reed. Jay, take us in. Welcome, everybody, to the Bootleg Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Coleman, here with my wonderful co-host, EJ Snyder. Yes, the rumors are true. We got Jordan Reed to take a break from the film <laughs> cave. He's bouncing around pro days. just got back from the combine. Hardest working man in draft media. Uh, we got him to take 20, 25 minutes out of his day for us. Uh, EJ, should we just not waste time and get into this thing? I want to waste very, very little time because Jordan is one of my favorite people in this entire space. He is one of the most knowledgeable guys I know. He's one of the nicest guys I know. You hear that a lot, but he is exactly on camera as he is behind the camera. Genuine, smart. I know I'm building him up, but there's just nobody better, so let's get to it. ESPN's Jordan Reed, one of the best in the business, joining us now. Happy to finally get him on. We've been uh, we've been waiting for this one. He's doing ESPN in the morning and bootleg at night. So, you know, big day for Jordan here. Uh, first things first, how you doing? Uh, you know, long, long combine week. Hope you got some sleep. Yeah, uh, for the next few months, I'm just going to forget about sleep. But I'm excited <laughs> to be here with you guys. <laughs> Well, we're not going to take too much of your time. We're not going to take too much because we know uh, you're East Coast. We're recording this at 7 at our time, so it's like after 10 over for you. Um, we're, we're here to talk about the My Guys list for Jordan Reed this year. Uh, if, if, we're, uh, if we're just talking about the five guys that you can't leave the draft without, who's first on your list? So, yeah, this is one of my favorite things to do of the year. And this is a list that, players that I just absolutely love. And like you said, I wouldn't leave the draft without. And the first one for me, and he's my top cornerback in this draft class, is Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. I love everything about him. I love the mental makeup about him. Six foot two, nearly 200 pounds. Didn't have the ball production coming into the year when he transferred over from Colorado. But he comes to Oregon, ends up with four interceptions, two against his former team, which I absolutely love, just because it shows the competitive desire in him. 
And I just think he's a complete corner. I think he's so polished. Uh, everything's so effortless about him. He has the length that you're looking for. He has the ball skills. And then he's what I like to call an ascending prospect. So coming into the draft, he just continues to get better. So Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, he's my top-ranked corner in this class. And I just really, really like this player on tape. Yeah, he's one of Brett's gems. Uh, we do our 10 gems on offense and 10 gems on defense every year. Christian Gonzalez was either going to be on Brett's list or my list. We flipped a coin. He ended up on Brett's list. Uh, love the player. Love the athleticism. Love the family athletic lineage. His dad was a, basically a pro basketball player for, the I think, the Columbia national team. Both his sisters are high-level athletes. You just see that fluidity on the field. I said he reminded me a little bit of Drake London on the defense. You know, a guy that has a basketball background and you can just see moves a little bit differently than other cornerbacks, but gets it done. And he's ratcheting up that piece, that aggressiveness, that ball production that you talked about. And yeah, the game against Colorado was a little bit of a dagger. That was super fun. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on with him. I think just the mental makeup that he has, the athleticism, him going out there. I think he jumped what over 11 feet in the broad jump, mm -hmm. 41 inches in the vertical. And then going out around four three eight, that just stamped everything for me. You buying top ten to the Eagles? You think he'd go that high? I'd take him at six if I was Detroit. Oh, that'd be fun. I mean, they, they do love those aggressive press corners. I mean, he definitely fits what they like. So I'm down for that. That'd be good. Uh, who's number two on your list? All right. So the next one for me, and this is a player that you know he blew me away at the combine is Jartavius Martin he's a safety from Illinois and we always talk about versatility on the back end the more you can do the better just because it shows how smart you are and then that's the name of the game especially in the NFL you have to be able to cover you have to be able to tackle but I think where Martin differentiates himself a little bit is that he's a core four special teams player too and you saw that at the senior bowl I think that was one area where a lot of people don't really pay attention to Everybody kind of just takes a break during the special teams period. But, and I learned this from Terry McLaurin. It was my first year at the Senior Bowl. And you just find out guys that take special teams really serious. And you could tell that Terry McLaurin, he went all out in every single special mm -hmm. team drill. And that's what I got from Jartavius Martin. And he only practiced for one day, but that one day he was just balls to the wall during special teams period. And then when he was out there doing secondary drills in the, in the secondary with safeties, he, he was just exceptional. So he has nickel corner flexibility. He can play outside corner. He can play safety. So there's so many different hats that he can wear. And then he goes out and tests out of this world at the combine, jumps 44 inches at the combine. He runs 4-4-6. And then I think he jumped like 11-3 in the broad zone, which is just nuts. So Freaky that's stuff. Yeah. Martin, big, big fan of him. What, what I found fascinating about him, because uh, you mentioned he has uh, slot corner flexibility. He had 15 pass breakups this year, and almost all of them were from the nickel spot, which is really, really hard to do because it's two-way goes all day long. They're throwing slot fades on you to 6'2 receivers. Like, you know, he, he had another corner uh, in the secondary there, Witherspoon, that's going to go somewhere in the top 10 to 12 picks. But, like, you could argue that his job was even harder because he was trying to survive at nickel, and he did a, a pretty damn good job at it. Yeah, I mean, that entire secondary was fun. Sidney Brown, Devin Weatherspoon, Jartavius Martin, the list goes on and on. That was one of my favorite defenses to watch this year, but he clearly was a standout. Yeah, I think everybody's focusing on Sidney Brown, and rightfully so. He's an excellent player. 
But the thing about Jartavius Martin that blew me away at the combine is that multi-role versatility. And when we talk about, again, our defensive gems, my top defensive gem this year was Brian Branch from Alabama. And it was the same thing. He can play outside. He can play nickel. He can play deep if you need him to. You add special teams versatility to that and the fact that he was absolutely rocked up. He's in perfect shape for the combine. Comes out, blows away all the numbers. I said on a radio interview this morning, I think he was one of the guys that made himself the most money, period, in Indy. You could argue on the defensive side, only maybe Nolan Smith made himself more money over the weekend than Jortavius Martin. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think he was one of the biggest winners of the event as a whole. Today's episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. You can take the guesswork out of buying high-quality meat and have it delivered right to your door from ButcherBox as often as you want it. All their beef is 100% grass-fed, they have free-range chicken, wild-caught seafood, and pork that's raised crate-free. You can get a variety of box plans from curated to customized so you can get the exact cuts you want. And for me personally, I got an all-beef box myself, and just from that box alone, I made a seared-up strip loin with pancetta Brussels sprouts on the side, I did a flat-iron steak with a homemade Lagavulin 16 jalapeno chimichurri, which came out incredible, and if you're watching the YouTube version of this show, you're seeing that on screen, and yes, it was as delicious as it looks. I also used the ground beef to make up some dirty rice just as a meal prep option for quick lunches throughout the week. And I whipped up some Cajun rub sirloin tips with potatoes on the side for me and my wife for another dinner as well. Plus, on top of all of that, I still got another pork tenderloin, a chuck roast, and top sirloins as well. And all of those cuts were really good quality too. So if you are a meat lover like me and EJR, but you don't want to deal with going out to the butcher shop to get great cuts to work with, and you just want it delivered easily and quickly right to your door, check out what ButcherBox has to offer for you. Again, every cut you can possibly think of, they have it. And of course, if you do find something you like, you can also get free chicken nuggets for a year, plus 10% off that first box when you sign up today with code bootleg at butcherbox.com bootleg. Again, that is a full year of free extra chicken nuggets and 10% off your first box with promo code bootleg at butcherbox.com bootleg. Thank you once again to ButcherBox for sponsoring today's show. And with that, let's get back to it. Now, uh, this tackle class is kind of intriguing because there's no clear top guy. Unfortunately, the one that would have been the top guy went back to school at Penn State for an undisclosed amount of NIL money, I I assume. Um, (laughs) But you do have one of these tackles sneaking into your My Guys list. Uh, Tell us about Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Yeah, so Darnell was a bit of an acquired taste for me. Um, I think both of the right tackles, top right tackles in this draft class, him and Dewan Jones, both of them were a bit of an acquired taste for me just because you kind of question his athleticism on tape, especially early on in the season. You didn't see him moving around a whole bunch just because he didn't move his feet a whole bunch, but it's just because he's so dang strong. He didn't really have to. But I think outside of Matthew Bergeron, there isn't an offensive tackle that went through a tougher gauntlet of edge rushers. And he – Check the box against Will Anderson. I thought it was terrific in that game against Alabama. He played great against B.J. Ojolari in LSU. And then he went out in the bowl game, and he shut down Brian Brissett against Clemson. Mm-hmm. So he went through a gauntlet of players that are going to hear their names called very early um, during the draft. And with Darnell, he just consistently got better. He got better throughout the year. Uh, he was terrific at the Senior Bowl. And then he went out, and I thought he looked great in the on-field drills at the Combine. I thought he looked so fluid at right tackle and left tackle. They were asking him uh, to kick slide from both positions as far as in both directions, and I thought he looked very efficient. So 
this is in a situation of where I think he can be a right tackle only. I think he could kick over to the left side and be a left tackle too. So I think he's one name that could go much earlier than a lot of people are expecting. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up going in the top 20. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's a take that I think a month ago would have gotten a lot more looks than it's getting now, especially after his combine performance running through the drills. Uh, they had Jeff Stoutland there, the Eagles line coach. And the fact that he looked equally good going both ways and better, so much better than he did in the beginning of the season, sort of puts him in that same category as you put Christian Gonzalez in, the ascending player, right? Still a player that's getting better. And if I'm a GM drafting a key position, right tackle or left tackle, I don't really think it matters much these days because Ed Rushers float around so much. I want a guy that's not topped out, especially if I'm going to risk that first-round pick for him. And I think a lot more GMs are more comfortable with that first-round pick for a guy like Darnell Wright than they were even just six or eight weeks ago. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, honestly, guys, I think we get six offensive tackles in the first round, which is probably crazy to say. About you think a first round gets in there? So the six, obviously the top three, um, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson Jr., Skaronsky, and then your three that I think end up going probably somewhere mid to late first round, Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright, Dewan Jones. I think those could be your Ooh. six that go in the first round. Well, with the receiver position being a little bit down this year in terms of like true first round talents, like there's still got to be 31 players picked, right? So it's going to have to come yeah. from somewhere. They're generally going to be premium positions. I really struggle with Tennessee players just because of the, the system, right? Like it, it's it's such a wild system compared to what you see in the NFL. Did that cloud your evaluation at all? Or are you just going straight traits plus production plus what you saw at Senior Bowl? Well, I think it's a little different when you're talking about offensive line, just because with Tennessee, it's not as I hate using the word gimmicky, but it's not like the offensive line is taking advantage of the hashes or the wide landmarks and things mm -hmm. like that. They're still uh, asking to hold up in protection. They're still asked to run normal schemes as if it were a normal offense. So it's not a situation of where it's a, a normal Big 12 offense, if that's for a lack of better context. <laughs> Um, I still think they ran some regular schemes as far as asking him to pull. You still see them running zone. They're still running uh, some counter. They're still running trap. They're still running normal concepts. So I think it's a little bit different when you're talking about offensive play, offensive line play in that system. It's not as gimmicky like receiver or quarterback or things like that. Speaking of uh, receiver, you do have one uh, here at the four spot. Uh, Jackson Smith to Jigma from Ohio State, who everybody seems to universally love. Uh, is he your wide receiver one in this class? He is. And, you know, I said this after the wide receivers worked out. It was the best on-field workout I've seen since Justin Jefferson in 2020. Mm. Like, he looked so fluid, and everybody questioned his long speed, which still is a big question with him. We'll see what he does at the pro day in a couple of weeks. But I think the thing that really helped him was testing so well in the short area stuff. Like, for him to go out – and kill the three cone in the short shuttle like he did. I think that helped him a lot. And then he goes out and he kills it in the on-field drills too. So he looks so efficient, so fluid. And I think like 92% of his snaps came in the slot. So, and I hate using comparisons for guys, but I don't, he's not Justin Jefferson. I don't think he's going to turn into a player like that, but it's like, I've seen this story before of where a player was just stuck in the slot just because they had an embarrassment of riches. And you have to think, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr., and even some of the young players they still have there, 
Emeka Ibuka, and then the other players that they, ha- that they do have. It's like we didn't need them to play outside. Like let's just keep <laughs> dominating in the slot. And it's like people are negatively impacting or affecting him for that or grading him for that, I should say. It was the same thing with Justin Jefferson. They had Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase on the outside. So it's like I just think he's being unfairly knocked for that. And we're not going to get the question get the question answered as far as if he can win outside. But if you're dominating in the slot consistently, consistently like that and you have just this elite change of direction like that, I think you can put him outside and be just fine too. Yeah, the voices I listened to are the ones you talked about of his teammates, Garrett Wilson and Olave, when they all sat in a room and, you know, they got asked, so who's the best athlete out of the three of you? They all looked at him and he was like, it, it's me, right? <laughs> and if you're sitting in a, if you're sitting in that room and you could say that and the other guys are nodding along and you ask those guys, like, you know, who's the best receiver out of the three of you? Not just the best athlete, but who's the best receiver? And they all say you – and then those two guys go out, and they're the two front runners for offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. You gotta believe him. And I was so happy that he went to the combine and backed it up, especially in that short area, six five seven and three cone was something you saw on tape over and over again. And I know he's gotten the Jarvis Landry comp a lot, and I think that's half right. <laughs> to the catch point, I think that's right. After the catch, I think that is a completely different story. He brings so much more to the offense after the catch that you never saw from Jarvis Landry that I think that's like a half right comparison. And I think people are starting to see that now after the combine. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think he's much more athletically gifted than what Jarvis was. I think Jarvis ran with like high four, six, low four sevens. When he I think it was four, seven, two, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So I think he's much faster. If I had to guess, he's probably like a four, five, two to four, five, five guy. If I was just giving a guess of what he would run, assuming he does run a 40. But, I mean, I would take him in the top 20, and I would feel comfortable about it. Like, if I'm the Texans, if I go quarterback at two, I, w- I would be fine. Pairing him with somebody at 12, New England at 14, would be a great fit. Or anybody that needs wide receiver help inside the top 20, I would be comfortable with taking them. Somebody mentioned um... – you know, you put him in Minnesota because obviously Jefferson can play outside. You put him in Minnesota and play the Cooper Cup role in the O'Connell offense, which, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know how you would stop that. But I, I'm i kind of in favor, it, favor of it just be, because it would be fun. Um, I don't know if he'll get there, but <laughs> I think it's a perfect system fit, and I would love that for them. Where are you thinking? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think his ceiling is probably the Texans at 12. Floor, probably the Giants. I think the Giants are 24, 25, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's probably the absolute latest he goes. But, yeah, I mean, if he gets to Minnesota, um, if I was Seattle, Seattle, I'd take him at 20. Just keep building up that wide receiver core. Him, Lockett, and DK would be fun. Uh, last, uh, Last my guy here out of your five, going back to the offensive line, a lot of favorable comps for John Michael Schmitz you know people have thrown around Alex Mack Max Unger uh, do you see that type of trajectory for him as like an outside zone center going in the league yeah I do and I, I mean he's as pro ready as they come and there's no such thing as a surefire or a safe pick but he's one of those guys that you know is probably going to be a hit just because of how successful he was in college very, very confident, very strong. It just understands the different types of environments that he's in. You see him pointing out different things when he's up front. 
very savvy, um, very intelligent. And then he's just so strong, man. Like he's so strong. He knows how to just strain and fight um, and then just survive in there. That's what you want to see from a center, especially somebody at his stature um, has that barely build. So he's already NFL ready from a body standpoint too. So it would surprise me if he ends up going late first, early second. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I was really happy to see his name on your list. He was one of my offensive gems. I ended up tilting towards another center, put him in the honorable mention category, mostly because everybody's been talking about him for two years. He was ready to come out last year. I know you've got these guys that they're they're ready to come out and then decide to go back, and I'm never going to never gonna go after a player's decision. I think that's really personal, but there's definitely guys I'm disappointed when I hear that. And I'm like, ah, i got to wait another year. So it feels like we've been talking about him for a long time as whenever he comes out, he's going to be the top center, and he didn't have any drop-off this year. And he's one of those guys that's sort of so consistent, he's almost boring to watch, and that's the best thing you can say about an offensive lineman is, yep, looks the same every time locks him up stands him up bows up and that's pretty much it they're not doing anything else and it's that strength the intelligence uh doesn't seem to be a particularly boisterous player like at the podium but you can tell he commands the huddle commands the line and most of it's just sort of do as i do and most people can't do that but um he's leading by example and i love all of those things combining into what I think is an ideal center build. And I'd be perfectly happy if a team took him in the first round. I think the GM would sleep really well at night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's one of those guys that is plug and play and we saw it at the senior bowl. I thought he was the best player there, regardless of position. And like I said, late first, early second, I think he could end up going in that range. Rodney Hudson just retired. So I feel like the absolute floor is top of the second to Arizona. If he got by them, I'd, I'd be stunned at this point. But uh, would love to see him go in the first round, make a little bit more money, get that fifth-year option, all that kind of stuff. We'd love to see that. Uh, before we let you go here, what's your pro day schedule looking like? Ooh, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I'll actually um, – I mean, I can say it now. So I'll be hosting Georgia's pro day next Wednesday on ESPN. Ooh. Yeah, so excited about that. After that, or actually the day before, I'll be at Clemson for ACC Network. And then I'm doing, I got to remember everything. So I'm doing Kentucky, I'm doing Florida, <laughs> and there's one more that I'm missing Alabama. So I'm doing oh. all those places. So, well, I mean, there's no players in any of those schools. You should have easy days, right? <laughs> like, nobody's going to be watching. Yeah. So the grind, the grind is just picking up for me, but I mean, it's fun. It's fun being able to talk about these players, seeing them go through the process and then just seeing them make a lot of money and being able to talk to them a little bit too. So it's like our time of the year. It's like Christmas day for me. Anytime I can be around just talking football. So I'm excited and, you know, I can't believe I'm in this situation sometimes. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. Hardest working man in draft media, man. It's true. Speaking of Christmas Day, um, gotta tell you, this is one of you're one of our bucket list. When we sat down three years ago and started this podcast, one of the first conversations we had, even before we knew we were gonna do this, was so if we did this, who who do we get? What's our what's our dream list? And you were in our top five. You were in the first five names that came out within like thirty seconds. We were like, bop, bop, bop. And you and I have been talking for a couple of years about this, and today we finally get to have you on the show, and we couldn't be happier. We love your work. We love running Indy out on the road, and uh, thanks so much for making time for us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, man. And anytime you need me, just let me know. It's always a pleasure talking ball, and I could do this all day. We'll see you in KC.
All right, that was Jordan Reed. Again, very gracious of his time to give to us. And uh, he is the first of uh, several interviews that we have coming up throughout the rest of draft season with experts in uh, various fields and disciplines of study when it comes to the NFL draft, uh, certain experts on different position groups. You guys are going to love everything that we have coming your way. Uh, but we have even more than that. EJ, take us through what the rest of draft season looks like here on the Bootleg Football Show. Yeah, so we're dropping weekly podcasts. A lot of those are going to be guests. Some of them won't, but you it is the strongest slate of guests we've had ever on Bootleg. I couldn't be more excited about it, and Jordan is the best possible kickoff. We're going to have live streams, we think, every other week just for everybody to blow off steam about the draft. We all know you have takes, and you got to get them out, so we'll give you live streams to be able to do that. We've got some specific draft site visits i went to oregon state's pro day on monday i'm going to be going to washington's pro day later on we might end up at another school or two not as many as jordan don't get your hopes up and we certainly <laughs> won't be hosting them we won't be hosting georgia's pro day uh but we might be at a couple of really nice sites um and then of course we're going to be in kansas city for the draft doing our regular draft live stream we will have a meetup while we're there in kansas city before the draft starts three days all the picks we'll do our draft wrap-up pod from kansas city as well like we did last year sort of winners and losers and after that after that we may return to sleep yeah june is actually no not even june that's when we're releasing the, the, the team specific episodes that are like an hour long each uh there's like a solid like one weekend in may that we get to sleep. <laughs> There's like a 10-minute period where we don't have to do this, and then we get right back to it, but it is the coolest job on the planet, so we can only complain just a tiny bit. But right now, it is uh, midnight oil plus both ends of the candle, and, and that's just a really flammable mix. But uh, we are pushing on, and we love bringing it all to you, so thanks very much for making it possible for us. Well, I know you have another one of these epi episodes to review, so we can get that out on time. I got to go record something for the Chargers. Uh, so, we're, you know, it's 730 at night. We still got four hours of work to do. Uh, so we're going to get out of here. I want to thank all of our executive producers for making this possible in the first place and giving us this really weird job to begin with. Uh, Marat, Consti, Caden, Andrew, Taylor, Liam, Connor, Joey, and Mike again could not do this without you guys appreciate and love all of you uh we'll be back next week with uh i believe the next part of our interview series which will be announced shortly and until then later take care